And we're recording. Let's get busy t-shirts available at Mr. Vintage for $49.95. $40, you absolutely $39.95. $39.95. Slick. Oh, yeah. See that Parky passed away. Oh, yeah. Michael Parkinson passed away at 88 after a short illness. From what? Parkinson? Oh. Oh. Too soon, Mash. Too soon. Yes. Did he? No. Short illness. You don't have a short illness with Parkinson. Short illness. That's good, eh? 88 and then a short illness. That's not bad. I'd take yeah. that. I'd, I'd, that. That'd be a way that I'd like to go. The coincidence, I was just watching the other day, this interview here with um, George Michael. Mm. Great music. Mm. This was just after George Michael had been caught in a police sting in a park in Los Angeles. A good-looking guy. Came up to him in the park and said, do you want to go to the bathroom with me? And George Michael went, yep. And then when he got his willy out, all the helicopters and police arrested him for lewd conduct. It was such a weird... It's called entrapment, isn't it? It was a weird thing. <laughs> so they used to do a, a, a talk show well, didn't they? It used to take a long time for the guy to get out of there. The good thing about Parkinson is he didn't do a stand-up routine at the start. He just got straight into the interview. Mm. He was just basically, hello... Wait, still, he didn't have to stand at the front and do that punishing monologue. Hush. Hush. Thank you. More than I deserve. My special guest tonight nice. is the artist formerly known as Yoyos Kiriakos Paniotu. He's a one-time disc jockey at the Bel Air restaurant in Bushy, who became a superstar of modern popular music. He's a boy who worked as a dishwasher in his father's restaurant, who Sir Elton John described as the Paul McCartney of his generation. More recently, he's been in the news because of what's been described as the most public coming out in history. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, please, George Michael. Good intro. Oh, sounds like one of our platinum series, series may, of interviews interests. What a lovely bunch. They're very large, these Greek families, aren't they? <laughs> well, nice to see you, anyway. Good to see you. Good Thank to you. finally. I have to say, before we start, actually, I wanted to say um, that this is a great honour for me because I, I can remember being, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and my mum would allow me to stay up beyond a certain um, uh, time in the evening only to watch the Parkinson show. She thought it would be a bit of quality watching, so I'm very, very privileged to be here. Well, that's very, you. very kind of you. Thank you. It's good to have you. And uh, she probably wouldn't have been quite as, quite as thrilled to f- that I had to take my willy out to get on here. <laughs> That's how you own the narrative. All, all done it, haven't we? That's how you own the narrative in that situation. Like, uh, you know, he's been outed. People didn't know he was gay at that point. He's been arrested for lewd conduct in a public toilet in Los Angeles. He came out. He owned it with a great joke at the start. The whole crowd went crazy. And from that minute on, he actually had a massive increase in his career. He released that outside single, which was about the whole thing. He goes, I've gotten bored of the bedroom. A guard bought the hall, and then he wants to take it outside and having sex and, and toilets, and and that's how you own the narrative, don't you? You don't you don't hide away. How interesting is Parkinson's technique as well? Of just boy, it was very relaxed, wasn't it? He really let it breathe. Yeah, 
He hardly says anything on an interview. His questions are so short. That's the problem, I think, with a lot of interviewers is well, people that don't understand. Well, because Parkinson, it was his show, but the people that are on the show were the stars. He was sort of didn't really exist. It was just a platform for the other shows. Like you take, especially Radio New Zealand's terrible for this, but you, you do these interviews where the question is so long and all about the person showing that they know the subject matter. Mm. So, the, so the person's asking the question for the audience to know that they are a person that's researched the topic and then it doesn't end, end with a question mark and then the person just sits there and has to construct their own answer. But Parkinson always asked with a question mark. That was his thing. Everything has to end with a question mark. I think, I think that a lot of people that do interviews think, I have to go deep and I have to do all this research. And then they come up with these amazing stories from Wikipedia more often than not. <laughs> yeah. And then they construct, the, like you say, they construct this question that's supposed to be a question. And uh, they almost, yeah, they turn themselves into the start. so weird. I, I did exactly that same thing with... Uh with Peter Ehrlich the other day when I was listening to that interview back I was like what the hell what are you talking about did you get to the point and then there was a question at the end of it but it took about 10 minutes there's nothing worse than listening to yourself flapping around asking a question it's a bit different on podcasts because podcasts mm. are about easing through it there's no there's not, they're not the same pressure like on a, on a, a show like this or, a, or a, like a radio interview that's got to be fast it's really frustrating when someone takes up a five if there's like a three minute, four minute, five minute radio interview and the and the question, the interviewer takes up over half of it with their questions. Yeah, well, it's presuming as well that the audience is tuning in and listening to you and not the person who you're interviewing. Yeah. That's the presumption, mm-hmm. isn't, isn't it? That's why two, people don't like it. Isn't the two rules of interviewing, one, as I say, always end with a question mark, so always actually ask a question, and a lot of sports interviews in New Zealand don't end with questions. Uh, question marks they're just some talking and then the person has to construct it. and the other thing is ask questions that you want to know the answer to that's a good one so many people ask questions that prove that they know what they're talking about oh, yeah. or feel like an Im- impersonation of an interview so they sound a lot like an interview so there are a lot of like questions that you might have in an interview but the best interviews the person has someone in they want to know something and they ask questions and receive information those are the best interviews. And I know Parky probably knew the answers that were coming. There was probably, producers would probably set people up. But he, he really just sat in the pocket and at least asked questions that people wanted to know the answers to. Experience is key, isn't it? Because you, you, good interviewers also can listen. So you'll have your questions that's that, the you've, third one, that you've worked out. Yeah. Because that's the way interviews work. You, you write questions because otherwise you have to think on the fly. Well, it doesn't always work. It's nice to go have something to go back to if you want to, to keep the momentum moving. But also they listen, and then so when you hear something, and if they answer something interesting, you can come in with the follow-up. Well, some of my first interviews I did, I'd hear them back, and someone had said something really freaking interesting, Mm. and you don't respond to it because you're just getting to your next question on your list. And that's so frustrating to hear, very frustrating for the audience and very frustrating if you hear yourself doing it. Because you can have a conversation. We all have conversations, and that's the thing. Like an interview is a conversation, right? So we all have conversations. In a conversation, you tend to listen to people and then respond. Some reason, if you're interviewing someone, especially if they're quite famous, you you don't you lose that power to listen and respond and just have a conversation. Yeah, and it's I find you know doing podcast interviews, doing live radio interviews, doing live TV interviews, and then doing field TV interviews are all completely different things. Like the 
the live radio interview and the live TV interview, you've really got to have your questions sussed. Yeah, because you've got limited time. But you've still got to listen, but you've got your questions there. Whereas the pre-recorded TV interview, when you go out in the field, is actually about giving lots of gaps and then listening. And it's not a conversation. It's actually going looking for gra- you're looking for grabs for a story. It's a completely different uh, different yeah. thing. But it's hard not to still want it to be a conversation that's comfortable and interesting and fun and has energy, because otherwise the person walks away from the interview if they're not an experienced interviewer, the interviewee I'm talking about, and they go, "Oh, that was awkward," or they start thinking it's awkward halfway through the interview, and then they sort of start to shut down a little bit. And mm. in, in my days as a television producer, you'd go onto these interviews and you'd you'd see your host or, or whoever interviewing someone, they wouldn't get it. So then you just go at the end, you'd go to the person that they were interviewing and go, can you just say this, 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 because I need it for the edit. Yeah. So I need you to say this, mm. what you said before, like this, and I need to, and can you say it with more energy mm. and we can just get out of here. So you just say this, 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 this. If you know you're going to edit it, it's, it's so good. And the person's standing there going, yeah. okay, well, why was I just talking for 15 minutes? Why didn't you just turn up and say, well, this answer, this yeah. answer, this answer, this answer, this, that we're out. Yeah. I feel I'm, like I'm, the, here, I'm here to get the bits to put together the show. I feel like the podcast interview is the, is the best zone though. It's yeah. the best place to interview because you can just chill out. You can have an old man's nappy if you want mm. to. Yeah, you can ask questions. You can follow up. Yeah, and you and you and people don't really judge you too much for trying to find your thoughts in the question because you're listening at the moment. You go, well, I'm trying to think of this thing. You haven't. I'm sure some people go into podcast interviews. A lot of people do with massive amounts of research. But generally, when we're doing one on the Matt and Jerry show, we've forgotten it's happening, and then the person comes in, and we go, oh, okay. The best one was when you were away, and we were dangerously hungover on the show, and. And we were just got through quite a complex show. There was something going on there, wasn't it? The goat countdown or some shit was happening. I can't remember. Yeah, and it was Anastasia's last day as well. Yeah, that's right. Mash so was very emotional. Yeah, and there was, and we were, um, we got presents to give her and that stuff. And then she goes, "Oh yeah, I've got an interview with this guy who's just made a film. He's from London. He's over here." Can I also yeah. add that she was under a desk, under this desk, on a sleeping bag for the full three hours? Yeah, that's right. She was asleep. Like she wasn't awake. No, she, she was, was asleep on the job. Um. And so this guy came in and knew absolutely nothing about him except for his name. Oh, God. That's my worst nightmare. But it actually ended up being quite good. But Matt Heath just did the old, so tell us your story and <laughs> let him go. <laughs> just absolutely let him go. And the guy so loved think, it. So I think the best way to do this is for you just to tell your story. <laughs> well, well, luckily, he could tell his story. Because if yeah, then someone know. then goes really, really short on it, you're like, yeah. oh, God. And then you start panicking. Luckily, this guy... It was hard to shut up. <laughs> and at that point was, I need to rescue Rosé. I need to get out of here for another drink because I feel terrible. And um, and But he just kept going and going. What about that time when those guys came in to do the interview and nobody knew what their names were and we knew what they would come in to do the interview for, but I had to try and introduce... And as the, oh, as yeah. the person who has to oh, introduce... No. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I was we trying, trying to get to the message... Yeah. I was trying to get the message through to our... Producer at the time, I think maybe it was Hanger. Who was it? Oh, nice and guy, I, Hanger. I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to get the the message through. I don't know what these people's names are, and then I thought I'd introduce myself. I said, "Hi, I'm Jeremy," and then they went, "Oh, g'day," and just <laughs> shook my hand and didn't give me their names. I so and I was like, "Hold on for a second. And we had two minutes to go in the song, and next thing you know, we we're going to be interviewing these people, and I didn't even know who how I was going to introduce them. That was absolutely terrifying. Another thing that they do in New Zealand is they send, like if you see American sports interviews or Australian even, they always send along someone that's a really, really good talker. 
but in New Zealand, this these sports publicity departments of whatever team, they never think about that. They never go let's send along someone that can answer questions. They just send whoever. But you know, like if you've seen an American sports interview, the person that sits down is the best talker, generally better than the people that are interviewing, and is just an amazing talker. Mm. But in New Zealand, Jesus, they send along two people that you don't know because they're reserves or something. They've just it's their debut <laughs> in the team, so you don't know them. You follow that you might follow that sport really closely, but they send two people in that have never done an interview before, and you don't know them, and then no one tells you who they are, and they sit down, and then they don't want to talk. For a long time, the Warriors had a policy of sending their youngest people with the least experience in to give mm. them experience. Yeah, and I didn't know who they were. Yeah, so you're training them up on on media experience, and they're like, "Oh, okay, hello." <laughs> I'm not sure if this is what you guys were talking about, but I think if you go back around to interviews again and in the sports industry, I heard someone say the other day, and I forgot who it was, but it was a good quote. They said, at the moment in New Zealand, we're always focused on who's doing the talking rather than what the talking is doing. And I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. And it's like, because the conversation in New Zealand is far less important than it is in the States. Like, they send their best interviewers to interview the best players mm, to, yeah. to get the most kind of value out of a conversation possible. But here, it's just, oh, we'll send that, Juno, and we'll send this, and we'll get yeah. this player, and that's about it. It's interesting how in New Zealand we don't really mind. It's it, just it's like a, a box it's, ticking. It's, yeah, that's right. It's like, it's, it's like an impersonation of a sports interview. Yes. It, just, it's just, just, it just happens. Well, this is an impersonation of a country. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me. We, we're impersonating a radio show. We're impersonating a podcast here. The world is an impersonation, isn't it? What about the way they do it? And, you know, I watch a lot of Dodgers, and then the Dodgers own their own media, and they own the people that interview their players. So they've got this absolute smoke show called Kirsten Watson. Kirsten away from Kirsten Watson. Kirsten, Kirsten Watson. Can we just take a quick break, and we'll come back with Kirsten Watson? Okay. We're, yeah, we're running out of time here. Okay. I'll show you a picture of Kirsten Watson. So we're talking Kirsten Watson. So anyway, so what they do is they have this absolute smoke show that travels with the team. I feel like you focus on the wrong thing. Can you say that she's an absolute smoke show? You focus on the wrong thing. I'm not sure they're allowed to say that. I don't don't walk around going saying, you know, Carl Tanana, I want to hang out the back of him. You do, do you do, you do go around saying you want to hang out the back of him. Carl Tanana's an absolute smoke show. Carl Tanana, fuck yes. But anyway, what I'm saying is. They travel with the team. They know the team. They've got a personal relationship. They talk to the team yeah, beforehand. Yeah. If you ever watch NFL, they're always like, I was talking to the team before, so I was talking to the person beforehand. I've yeah. got this. I've yeah. got this. He yeah. said this. They know that, that, per- that the coach knows that he has to have a good soundbite to give the interviewer before the game so they can say they're talking about it. It's all fucking sorted out. And I guess that's just because it's a wash with money, right? Because they've just got all the extra producers, all the extra people. Everything's all organized. But what about at the NFL where the – they have the, the the spider cam goes on and it has the person that travels with one team on one side, that absolute smoke show. She says the best analysis you've ever seen in the world, looking incredible. And then this, the, the spider cam whips up and goes right over the stadium and goes right back, to, goes to the other side and goes up to their smoke show that does an analysis yes. straight afterwards. And it all happens within like bang, 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 bang. And it's incredible. You're saying we don't do that. Speak for yourself, mate. Carl Tanana, I'll say it again. I've said it before. Smoke show. I've got to say, Carl Tanana can fit a lot of hair into a cheese cutter. That's what I'm saying. We're running mm. a good cheese cutter that's at the a moment. Good point. Do, do you feel the same way when we go from Carl Tanana to John Kerwin as you do at Dodgers Stadium when you go from smoke show to smoke show? <laughs> <laughs> 
Don Kerwin has been down at Jeff's and Poor Room buying increasingly silly glasses. Oh, have you seen his latest pair? <laughs> is he getting them constructed? Like, is, are they? Is he going in and they say, "I want glasses this big," and they say, "It's never been done before." You insane. <laughs> We, OPS, can't, we o- can't make them that big. I put him saying, "Are you crazy? You can't make them big. Like the, the engineering on them, the structure, the, the structural integrity will never hold up a pair of spectacles that big." And he goes, How heavy! God damn it! God damn it! This is a challenge. We do these things because they're not because they're easy, but because they're hard to because challenge ourselves. I, I tell you what's got to be hard: the bridge of his nose. Imagine the weight of those things coming down on his n- nasal. <laughs> Passages. I reckon he just sits at home watching it back during the week and he just sits there with a cigar and he just goes, <laughs> I got them again. Does he smoke cigars? <laughs> oh, I'm just imagining oh. how triumphant every, every, he gets when he sees uh, how much he's trolled the nation gotcha. with those silly guys. Gotcha. Every new, every new contact, uh, contract he signs, like, so, you know, smart people when they sign a new contract, they ask for another week's holiday. Whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever he signs a new contract, Contract John Kim was like, I want the glasses thirty percent bigger. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, thirty percent bigger glasses. I know what's you happened. Fucking insane. I know what's happened there. So with with your Southern Cross medical insurance, yeah, you get a pair of glass. You get a new pair of frames every year. Yeah, and he's just he's just going frame on frame on frame on frame, and he's adding them up each year, and he's melting them down, and then he's just more and more sunk. There's more and more frame. On his head every year because it's just it's, I, I would Southern Cross sorry. Insurance is building up. I seriously would not be surprised if one day I turn into the rugby and one one um, arm is around his ear and a full full square, square is over his face and yep. then you've got Jeff Wilson coming in. On the, oh, <laughs> if you do a parody of that, they're sharing one pair of glasses and they're just looking through one. That would be each. a great parody. John Kerwin's glasses seem to be taking over other people now. So it's just one giant pair of glasses that they're all using. <sighs> Maybe he's got like a dysmorphia thing about his head and he actually thinks his head is way bigger than it actually is. And so he just gets the most giant glasses. But the thing with wearing glasses that big, it's like putting a microscope on your face. It's like putting a telescope on it. I'm just looking across at you. You look like you might have a pair of Kerwins on there. Is that a pair of Kerwins? If you chucked, if you chucked you clear lenses on there, those the Tom Kerwins. Fords that you've got, there's a, a touch of the Kerwins there. He's just maybe he's rocking a kind of a frame like that, and then he's chucking a clear glass on it or something. Actually, yeah. I saw you with a cheese cut on yesterday, which had a touch of the Tananas as well. So you're running mm. a bit of a wow, an homage. Yeah, the whole thing's an homage. I'm an impersonation of a Scott's impersonation of an impersonation <laughs> and an impersonation of a country. Oh, no, would, it, a couple of would, it, would it kill you to put on one of those bald caps and? <laughs> Run a Jeff Wilson impersonation. Cut it off. Cut it all off. (laughs) Nobody parodies anything anymore. There's no. For God's sake. There's no like that. The sports commentary should be absolutely parodied. You should. You should. We. You should turn up. (laughs) You should do a parody where there's some footage of the game and you cut to the people on their desk outside. There's a guy with the stupidest pair of glasses you've ever seen. Someone else in a bald cap. (laughs) Just really, really crude. Yeah. Crude impersonations. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have Mills Mulyaina, but he's um, dressed up as Miles Morales, who's the new Spider-Man. Because I've got a good joke for my kids. I call the, this Spider-Man Marvel game they play Spider-Man Mills Mulyaina. And they're like, it's Miles Morales. I know the guy you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I know, and it does look quite similar. And so then he just fires some... Um, <laughs> He just fires some webs at the camera and you're out. What do we have to say about Marshy? What's Marshy doing these days? Oh, he just sits in the co- Like, other people just talk really sensibly and then this guy just sits in the corner and he's like, Wow! 
Wow! <laughs> and that's all that character would do. Marshy. And it's just yell off camera, oh, off you, mic. And you got someone doing his frosted tips. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. I think we've sorted that out. Could someone please commission that? Could you take that through to New Zealand on the air? It's a, it's a, it's a new Ooh. parody show. We just It's a great idea. Cut to people, imitate them. Can I be, I'll be Tanana, you be uh, JK because you've got, you got a touch of the Kermans with the yeah. glasses and then Jerry, you're Kirsty Stanaway. Yeah, that makes why, sense. Why am I Kirsty Stanaway? Why do I have to be Kirsty Stanaway? I want to be Kirsty Stanaway. I want, I, you stay I, away from Kirsty Stanaway. I, I want to be Carl Tanana. Okay, you can be, you can be Tanana. You've got actually a touch of the Tananas actually. I want to be Tanana. And here's another joke. He's eating a perky nana and they go, Carl <laughs> Tanana. And he goes, no, it's a, it's a perky nana. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay, that's good. Write that, you write that down. Woo! Write that down. Make put right, that in then. the notes of your phone. Woo! Right, I'll see you on K Road tonight. All right. Oh, yeah. Happy oh, birthday, Mash, mate. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy Mash's birthday. Happy birthday. You're gonna turn a victory into a loss. <laughs> Can we sing it? Victory into a loss. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mashy. Happy birthday to you. 22. No, 24. And 10. Look, a day over 20. I've got a free pass today, so ladies. Oh, Get hall pass. Out, We're birthday hall pass. Me and Miss. Get out. Does that open? Cut that out. When you get a hall pass, does that open up? Like, does that, like, when you're on a hall pass, does that mean that your partner's available for a, for a game? <laughs> you stay away from Lawrence. The, no, Lauren's not available on my birthday. She's available on her birthday. <laughs> when When's that? I don't know when that is. Month? All right. Excuse me, you don't know when her birthday is. Well, it's December. You heartless prick. <laughs>